Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Prime Minister said, right, we need the economy to grow one percentage point faster than trend yep. mm. for five years to mm. get the deficit under control. Right. Mm. That hasn't happened since the 60s. Yeah. And if your plan for that is predicated on some extra infrastructure spending, some fiddling around on IR, a, a pipeline to Narrabri, you're not going to get there. <laughs> We're laughing. <laughs> we started laughing. <laughs> Uh, hello, hello, good people of Pods, and welcome to another episode of Australian Politics Live. You are with Catherine Murphy, the host of the show and political editor of Guardian Australia, and we started by laughing because mm. I've got the laugh team, <laughs> the Chuckles team. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> Greg Jericho, uh, Hello. all-round legend, wonderful person, uh, man of facts and charts for Guardian Australia, and also Shane Wright. Chief and- clown. <laughs> I was, oh, for the first, look, for the first time in this series, I was actually going to get your title right. <laughs> Why start now? And, <laughs> Don't worry about it. You've blotted. it. So, yep. yes, Shade Wright, chief clown for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, occasionally writes about economics and occasionally digresses into musical references. I now, thought more than occasionally. Well, that's true. Mm. Before we get on to the economy, which, of course, is no laughing matter and is the subject of this episode, Shane just said the most remarkable thing, which should be shared with the listeners. This is my view of what happens in hell. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking whether rel- like hell is your own personal yes. hell. Yes. And mine would be have, listening to Celine Dion and Mariah Carey on loop for eternity. Well, yeah. I think Celine singing My Heart Will Go On. Exactly. It was, that, my, it like, was the, the, the insight. I'm sorry to speak over Shane because it is his insight, but it is, it, look, seriously, it just, it, it made us, it, it derailed us a moment ago, was that when one arrives at hell. At hell, yes. The the music that is playing. Beezlebub will have a boombox and he'll say, yep, that's you. My, and my presses heart on, will go onto on. the, the universal jukebox and it's my heart will go on and they'll probably play Titanic in surround <laughs> and you go, for God's sake, Make it just stop. drown, just drown. <laughs> that's all I want you to, I just want to, I know how the, sh- I know how the ship goes down. Leo's going down, you know, and Kate's there and comes back a hundred years later and throws a whopping big diamond off the end of the ship. And sure, James, sure and James Cameron's in happy. the hell where to get to the point where the ship's about to sink and then it'd go back to the start again. And you have to watch it, and you've, so you never able again. to actually watch it. Then again, James it. Cameron is the guy whose first film was Piranha 2. 
Oh, yes, you told me this the other day. Which is, yeah, where the piranhas fly. And they're salt water. And they're in the ocean. They're in the ocean. I know, it's just... Visionary director, James Cameron. Visionary director. <laughs> that, and how many times have you seen Avatar? Like, the biggest make movie, money-making yeah. movie of all time. No, I didn't once. see it until... Yeah, been once. Yeah. About five so, years after it was made. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Perhaps I was having children or something. When but don't worry, out? there's four sequels. Anyway. Oh, doesn't matter. Anyway, so, <laughs> we sorry. have digressed. Sorry, we have digressed. <laughs> and we have told the listeners in our in in the blurb for this episode that we are discussing the economy. So I don't know quite how we'll go from saltwater piranhas to the economy, but it is not beyond us. It is not beyond this group of people. So, look, let's just backtrack slightly because I haven't had you guys in since the national accounts the sad day of the national accounts. Mm-hmm. So let's start there, Greg. You might want to kick off with where where things are at in the economy. Well, hell. Saltwater piranhas. Saltwater piranhas. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7% fall in the June quarter, worst all-time ever, I think even worse than during the Great Depression, although they didn't really do quarterly sort of there. There's Annual, an argument about that. Yeah, there, I mean, it's, amongst all, the boffin, it's all a bit mm, nerds. Mm, dodgy, so given, that, too, given yeah. that they really didn't <laughs> well, even have well, GDP. The three of us. Bef- at the, the GDP only really became a thing after, after, yeah, after the Great Depression, so it's all a bit retconning there. But 7% fall, everything's gone to heck, mainly driven by we consumers absolutely shutting our wallets and not spending at all. Partly because we couldn't. We uh, spent a lot on toilet paper. <laughs> yes, we and did. a lot on pasta. Come um, on. So that fell down about thirteen percent compared to this time last year, which again record. We saved what twenty percent of our income, which was a massive spike. Seventy four. Seventy four was the last time we had a savings ratio yeah. at that level. It's just extraordinary. Just, mm. You know, so a heck of a lot of. Um, I mean, as I say, partly driven by the actual measures that prevented us being able to spend, but also just a general great fear of things aren't looking good, so let's not spend, and the economy's yeah, just shuttered. Yeah, and it, yeah, that, yeah, that dynamic feeds itself. Yeah, And, mm. of course, the musical reference is, of course, that this is the first recession since Nirvana released Nevermind. Yes. And you two released Aktung Baby. Baby. Yes. And so there is, a, well, you know, Which there is... is 1991 mm. for those keeping a score at home. Yeah, exactly. If you Greatest don't. period of music in... History, really. Oh, I don't know. Oh, if hang on. No, hey, come on. You've, yes. you've just yes. gone crazy yes. now. Yes. Okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> They're two really good albums. They're like, but you know, no, um, stand yes. up for Gen X. Come on. Oh, no, no. Well, we're we talking well, about. We do, we are, we do, this is Gen X. Exactly. <laughs> we do look on on this with this group. We do very little well, else. Let's yes, be honest. Yeah, so anyway, right. let's let's get back. Let's get back to the economy. So it's all gone to hell in handbasket. Worst quarterly fall, well, you know, footnote arguments amongst boffins. But definitely um, our lifetime yes. or definitely pretty much our anyone's lifetime, lifetime yep. that's listening. Cautious consumers, yeah. we're saving everything. Let me just ask you, Shane, was it was uh, was the contraction sort of more or less what you expected, worse, better? It was actually a little bit worse and it, this is – part of it is trying to track what's going really going on and so you've actually had some false signals out of – a lot of the credit card and card data that the banks have been supplying, and they've been supplying to Treasury because they've been trying to track what the hell's going on with their customers. What are they spending their money on? Yeah. On what? How are they spending their money on? And so if you remember, we saw that huge fall in retail sales in April as the lockdown came back, but then there was a big lift the following month. And people thinking, oh, you know, but goods 
don't make the economy. Yeah. Services yeah. do. And I think that was one of the lessons that had been forgotten that uh, yeah, really a bunch of point. Like I've been thinking about, say, the gas-led recovery, another, another <laughs> we'll issue. Get to, we'll get, we'll to, get that. to that another day. But mm-hmm. a gas-led recovery in an economy that is 60 to 70% services, mm-hmm. I'm not how, not sure how far the gas is going to lead us into better are you, are acupuncture. You actually, or, are you actually saying that's not very stimulatory? So, there are other ways to stimulate I mean, the rather than gas. I mean, what is wrong with you? Anyway, okay. That's a, that's so, a, very, that's a, that's a whole podcast to itself. But, yeah, it, like so that aspect of it, that services, and we've had this, been having this argument about Australian sovereignty and we've got to make yes. stuff in order yep. for yonks, mm. and it's really ramped up in the last six months where the Morrison government now puts the word sovereign ahead of everything yep. as mm. if it's great. Lovely, but what about the sovereign masseurs out there? What about the sovereign uh, tax accountants too, too out right. there? Too right. Like sovereign, sovereign. The sovereign public servants that are out there, the sovereign the journalists sovereign out there. Mm, yeah. Educators. Like, mm. Yeah, so it's <laughs> so that aspect, I think it's the services aspect of the economy uh, that has been forgotten and that's what's really, I think, ultimately drove a bit of the the worsening of the figures. Like I think mm. before it was it was between five and six. And yeah, that was the market yeah. pre market. Yeah, it was around that. Like, and what, yeah. what's one percent amongst mm. friends? Well, sure. well it's mm. what? psychologically it's well it's about ten billion dollars. Well mm. yeah. <laughs> no well of course yeah there's yeah. A, it it has a numeric value, but also psychologically it's I don't know, it's closer to ten. It's sort of yeah. it's kind of like ugh. Okay. So technical term there. Ugh. Um so we we need to note I think that's one quarter. Obviously, Victoria has been in a substantial lockdown for a period of time and given the metrics that the Premier has put on it will emerge from that lockdown quite slowly on current indications. Although, big shout out while we've got you to listeners in Victoria, what legends you are, seriously, like the the flattening of the curve in Victoria at the moment is amazing. You guys have been really doing it tough. We are thinking about you in the Republic of the ACT, so thank you for staying the I'm course. I'm Victorian born. And no, no, exactly. I've got to reflect That's, on, yeah, on I my actually, countrymen down there. No, no, exactly. I looked at Shane significantly because he is a Victorian. Anyway, shout out to you guys. But the point being, the economy is not going to rocket back up in the next quarter, Greg, right? No. Yeah. No, so um, what do we think about how things look in the next quarter? Oh, God. It... it, it. <laughs> You, thank God you got this suggestion. Yeah, first, I got the easy one. Uh, well, I'm not. You, I'm not saying give me like a percentage, Dales. I'm just saying what do we what do we think in the in the general Look, in the general. What all do we think predictions about at the moment are pretty wonky and not in the good version of the word wonk, as in God, reliant it's, on. It's the dust. jargon that you use <laughs> yeah. that's really intimidating it's, here. It pretty much go. is throw throw a throw a dart at a board and and hope for the best. I mean. Certainly, Victoria's not helping, and we can see this. I guess a, a good way is to look at the weekly, or we're getting sort of fortnightly job figures, and there has been improvements everywhere else except for Victoria, which is sort of is clearly the worst in the the nation in terms of how it's going compared to what it, what was the situation before the pandemic. But really, it's not like we're seeing a surge back. It is a very slow, flatlining recovery. And the reason being, going to exactly what Shane said, there was a a kind of a good 
strong recovery in April, May when the shutdowns that had first come into place were relaxed. Yep. But that doesn't help get a lot of the services sector back and going. It doesn't help international tourism or services that are reliant on exports. I I have friends because I, I once 20 years ago worked in the casino in Cairns and I have friends who are still working there or were working there and it's just carnage because... You know, yes, you can still have people come in and play the pokies and things, but the international tourists who are the big drivers of the the kind of their profits aren't able to get in. That just it's you can't snap that back until yeah. the rest of the world is snapped back. Because even if we're we're looking at and Victoria has a massive impact on the rest of the nation because of the the whole interconnection connectivity of the nation. Victoria buys a lot of stuff from Western Australia and from New South Wales and and places. And if I was to tell you that they run a, Western Australia runs a huge trade deficit with Victoria, you'd Mm. be surprised. I'm surprised. WA, which paragon of uh, how they say we run the state, we grow the economy. They run huge trade deficits with New South Wales and Victoria. Without them, Mm. the the WA economy struggles. And this is one of the reasons... If you look at, say, the state final demand stuff and the employment stuff that's come out of WA, even though iron ore's on a tear, the economy is still quite soft mm. in there and their unemployment rate is still it's above the national average at the right, moment. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. But just pointing out as, you know, that uh, WA and Victoria and New South Wales, everyone is really connected in ways that we haven't quite understood well enough until it's been exposed. Mm. Mm. Because we've sort of almost broken apart the Federation and put it back together yeah, again. And we're yeah. looking and, at these. And economically, the Victoria has a huge impact on GST, yep. which means there's going to be less GST for Tasmanians. There's going to be less GST for South yeah. Australia. Victoria has been with New South Wales, the two states that have propped up the rest of the Federation mm. since Federation. And that, yeah, they have been... Without Victoria and, w- and New South, everything that's gone on in WA up until about 2006, I think, is when it stopped being a mendicant state, it doesn't happen. Mm. So Victoria's downturn in GST will hit South Australia. NT is really exposed, and I don't think this has been discussed enough because I think five – they get $5 for every dollar yeah, of, in oh, GST. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah of course. Full. So yeah. their budget is – Stuffed. 42% of the Northern Territory budget is GST. Well, so they are. Well, they're a, totally stuffed. And so, what, and who put out? Didn't someone put out some estimates for future or if you've read it in the Sydney Morning Herald, oh, the Age, did, my friend? Yes, yeah, I, I'm sure I read it. Some <laughs> some hack. Yeah, yeah some <laughs> hack. The most boring <laughs> GST writer in the country. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that they're looking. The GST pool is going to be 33 billion lower over four years. Crikey! That is hospitals. That is teachers. That is cops. That is koala planning laws mm. in New South Wales. With the koalas. It's maintaining a border in Queensland to keep those pesky cockroaches out from... Yeah. Like it, it's even like, did we see this story this week about cane toads being discovered in South Australia? It is paying the environment departments at the state level to keep a lookout for cane toads. Mm. It filters through everything. Yeah. And I blame you, Victoria, oh. in this space. That's what's going that's <laughs> what that's what I you dis- call, I, if everyone wants them I, to blame I, Dan I, Andrews and team. But that's that's what happens. I disassociate myself from these <laughs> remarks, everybody in Melbourne. I just want that on the but, record. But you can see where I'm going. No, no, yeah, I can. But the, the I guess the 
the to sort of to go back to Catherine's question is that all the snapback that we were going to see has happened and now it's the slow grind of you know that don't there's no V. There's, There's no, no v. v. Yeah, well, yeah. no one's been. Obviously, we all, we all. I mean, I was going to say gripped the V, but that sounded it's, it's, strangely it's looking suggestive. Swishy. Well, it's like no one's talking about the V anymore, right? Which brings me to this point. Now, it strikes me as passing strange that we've reached a point where unemployment is already a million Australians unemployed. There'll be several hundred thousand on current indications between now and Christmas also on the unemployment queue. The Morrison government has been very good actually at during the crisis at pushing stimulus out into the economy as long as we don't call it that because that would be a sort of Keynesian thought crime. Exactly, right? right? So let's say, you know, agri- what is, what's what's the formulation? Agri- supporting aggregate demand, demand. Yeah. which of course is a Keynesian concept, but anyway, let's not stub our toe on that. They've been very good pushing out the stimulus, but at the end of September, JobKeeper and JobSeeker will be reduced. I cannot, and maybe you guys can enlighten me, but I cannot for the life of me see the justification, certainly on JobSeeker, for cutting income support at this point in time because I cannot see – it's not like people are lazy. It's not like right at the moment they just can't be bothered going out to try and find a job. I think because of the services sector is basically on hold because of public health restrictions, right, can't see – there's a lot of people that just won't get a job right now and we'll have the income support cut, which is obviously less money in the economy. Can't work it out. What's the justification? Is there one? Well, it's 550 a fortnight. Yes. And let's go back pre-COVID. Was there anyone in the country advocating that New Start slash Job Seeker be increased by 275 a, f- a week? Well, no, no, but there would have been no point in advocating no, that. No, but most, like the economic debate at that time was 70, like I think we started at 40 mm. bucks a, a week to maybe 70 yeah. to maybe 100. Yeah. At 275, like I th- I think there are issues about increasing that to such a large level, mm. unemployment benefits. Absolutely understand. We Like at the moment, we have actually pulled a lot of people out of poverty yeah. through an emergency because of that payment mm. system as well as what else is being pumped into the economy via JobKeeper. So I know it may not be popular, but somewhere along the line, you have to say, right, you have to pull it back. Mm. No, no, no. And sure. I think- Pulling it back incrementally will actually give those people who are unemployed some chance to adapt, given that inflation is well, inflation is negative yeah. right now too. Yeah. The cost of money is negative. Yep. No, no, all so true. Well. So I understand that that view that you can't you, dropping off so many people, cutting their financial support by a large amount is going to be bad at any time. But somewhere along the line you go, right, when do we do it? No, no, no. But I'm and not. what's the level? So I'm getting into the, the whole economic argument about yeah, like the labour market. The labour market and, argument, right. Yeah. What, is the, what is the incentive or disincentive yeah. you're yeah. sending yeah. by having, like our, the job seeker has been far too low for far too long. Yeah. But you have increased it by a substantial amount in a very short period of time. Yeah. You've got to, it is now... I think you're at that point where six months in, you go, right, is 275 extra a fortnight, a week, sorry, a little too much? Are you p- 
pushing in disincentives into the whole system. No, I totally agree. And we haven't like, had that. We, I don't here, know if we've had that debate. Because I mean, I've, for, for me, the, the big issue always with the bonus payment was that it did have a disincentive because it, unlike the actual job seeker base rate, didn't decline. It just yeah. went from 550 to nothing once you... Yeah, um, which was a problem as well. Yeah. yeah. And so that was certainly something that need, needed to be dealt with. The The issue, of course, is doing it while you've got one state that is still actually mm. in the that's, same situation that it was when it was brought in. Yeah, that's my yeah. point. And it's a case of... I, I get what Shane is saying and, and certainly, I mean, I'm kind of of the view that given we've discovered that, hey, this actually does keep people out of poverty. Not a, um, not a bad thing gee, at all. Gee, uh, what a shock. Uh, paying people money actually works. And I'm, I'm, I guess there is a bit of argy-bargy over just how much of a disincentive it is and we perhaps are getting into universal basic income territory Almost, here, yeah. which I, as I say, I, I, th I think the disincentive argument at this point in time is less potent given we've, we've looked at the job vacancy, we haven't mentioned them, but job yeah. vacancy numbers just gone through the floor. Mm. And yeah. and there's a clear link. And it was one thing I looked at sort of this week, which actually kind of surprised me, was that the, the link between the job vacancy numbers and the unemployment rate was exactly where you'd expect it to be on sort of a 20-year average, which I thought, oh, God, it might be, the curve might be completely destroyed. But actually, no, it holds as... Job vacancies go down, unemployment will go up, and it's gone up and down by what you would expect. And that was while we had this massive job seeker mm. payment. So it's mm. a case of is the has the system been destroyed that much, or was the system so bad that it actually needed a massive corrective? I, you know, I, I I can understand the government at some point saying we need to reduce it, and I think more reduce that drawdown which means get rid of the bonus and actually put it into yep. the, the actual underlying rate mm. and fiddle around with the... Because you know, then you can play with the taper rates. Yes, yeah, playing with the you taper. Can have, you can build in incentives around if you're getting extra hours of work yep. and, get, and leaving that not affecting yeah. your base rate. Like, they had to run it out quickly, so you can understand why they did it. Yeah. You've had six months to think about this. I, I'm having a few concerns, not just about the federal treasury, but the all the state treasurers and state treasuries pushing back budgets and things like that, mm. saying, oh, it's so hard, it's yes, so hard. For it. God's yeah. sake, it, everyone is working hard at yeah. the moment. Mm. I noticed S&P was critical of how, like in the US, I think all but a four, all but 10 states have actually delivered their budgets mm. on June 30 mm. over in Kiwiland, budget delivered. Yeah. In Britain, budget delivered. But here, oh, no, it's so hard for us. And I go, oh, come on. Mm. And also the, the sense yeah, so that, oh, we have to, we, oh, we have to still do a four-year budget. It's like, no, you don't have to do four years. We didn't always do a four-year budget. If it's so... That's Lindsay Tanner and Wayne Swan gave yeah. us the fourth year. You know, and uh, you three years was Costello. Costello, yeah. yeah. Back in Keating's, that was two. I mean, mm. and no one... We coped kind of well. <laughs> it's not like we... Now now we have figures that, oh, they go out to 10 years and no one believes them, no, but, oh, my no, God, but look we, at our 10-year yes, projections. Them. Okay, yeah. well, well, well. We've, 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 we have digressed. Yes. No, 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 we haven't. No, no, we've actually transited beautifully to the budget, actually, um, which is which is sort of where I wanted to end the conversation. And so, actually, strangely, we're sort of running more or less the time. This is incredible. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so 
don't know how this happened. I don't know how this competence happened. Anyway, so we have landed at the budget, which is, of course, just a few weeks away now. So what do we think about? Three we- Less than three weeks. Mm. Oh, God, is it really less yeah, than I know. three? It is. Oh, Christ. And it's, oh, sorry. and it's a budget that's going to fall on Reserve Bank Day. Reserve Bank Day. Oh, interest yeah, rate day. Yeah, meeting day. Really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, bloody hell. Well, that's who, who yeah, arranged no. that. <laughs> the treasurer. <laughs> treasurer, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, anyway. Okay, ask a sensible question, Murph, about the budget and then someone might be able to answer something. Okay, all right. So the budget's looming. We have a sort of broad sense, obviously, from the government's pre-positioning where they're going with their thinking, right? So we've got bring forward tax cuts. We've got some sort of discussion about labour market regulation, which isn't normally budget territory, but fits with a broader narrative. And we have the gas-led recovery, which we flagged a moment ago. What do we think about that as a... Look, I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll just... Jericho's not looking really <laughs> very no, 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 it's not. It's, it's not. I know it's not lighting a fire under Greg. But anyway, we'll get, we'll get there in a, a tick. Why I think this budget is actually really important is... I know Scott Morrison has delivered budgets as a treasurer before. I know he must have also delivered a budget as a prime minister before. Obviously, sorry, it's just COVID time is messing with yes, yes, last week. <laughs> obviously, must but have the delivered last budget one. Is so long ago. Oh God! It, like it seriously, was it well, was April. Yeah, yeah, no, we're in a like. I think this is the longest break we've had between budgets. Well, I've lost my budget thread. I can't. Oh, you can't. Lose. You can't lose your I know, budget thread. But I, I have it's lost. Like losing your sanity. I know. I know. I've lost my budget thread. Anyway, <laughs> this is quite important for the prime minister because this will be. You know, I mean, we write this nonsense all the time that things are very important and definitional and right, obviously, but this is actually definitional. This will actually tell us something about this prime minister what his priorities are, where he wants to take the country in this very, very critical, important time. What do we make of the advance? What do we make of the you know pre-budget PR roadshow on the part of the government? Are we buying it or not buying it? I... Greg is about to collapse. I'm just, <laughs> just sharing well, that with I th- you. Well, I think if they... If the the two measures are bring forward the tax cuts, which the tax cuts that they are seeking to bring forward massively favour people earning over 100000 massively earning over 180,000, flattens the income tax rate, which whenever you do that always benefits higher income, won't provide a heck of a lot of stimulus because a lot of the benefit that anyone at the lower end is getting is negated by changes to low-income tax offsets, so it all kind of washes out a bit. It's going to benefit people who've got a job who we've already seen from the GDP figures, art spending... You well, know, there are fewer of them. Exactly, and they're not the ones you need to kind of worry about. And uh, gas, God help us! I mean, it's not a massive employer. It's as Shane goes, it's not doesn't go towards services sector. And then you know, there's the whole climate change aspect of we could have done this actually by. You know, an energy stimulus package would have been a good way to go about it if you were thinking, right, let's use this very low interest rate that we can access at the moment to convert our economy to renewables. But, hey, that'd be far too logical and let's just pretend the gas is... Tell us what you're really thinking, Greg, honestly. He holds his punches. One of the the good things about the budget, and although I I still have my doubts, is that we probably won't care too much about the deficit, but we will, even though it doesn't really matter. We're going to have deficits for the 
PBO, I think the Parliamentary Budget Office is basically deficits for the rest of, rest of the decade. Mm. And well, forget let's just about. call it never. Never. <laughs> and just call. So we might at least, uh, at least we won't be fussing and getting excited over. Oh, they've got a an extra $1 billion compared to my EFO and things like that. And, oh, is this a balanced budget or is it a deficit? And it's No, nah, it's all a deficit. It's all bad. I suppose, yeah, it and, does, it does yeah. clear one threshold. Shane, what are your thoughts? I still worry about deficit and debt because interest rates will ultimately go up. Mm. and mm. Inflation will return at infl- some point. Well, it, wow. it's like the Tassie Tiger at the moment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It'll be no spotted. sightings for a long, long while. <laughs> It'll be spotted on that hill outside of Hobart. That's inflation right. smashing on the chest of the inflation. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pulse there. That's right. Because ultimately and you end up, not we're not nowhere near a Japan level, but where so much of the Japanese mm. budget is caught up in repaying debt. Yeah, but we're we're so far away from it; it's not worth worrying. The number, though, of like a deficit of north of two hundred billion, mm. as I've said, is butt clenching. Yeah, mm. it's, it's a, a butt clenching number. number. Yeah, it's a and, big number. And I and I'm I'm wired for inflation too. I can't quite work. I can't quite decouple myself entirely from. Wide for inflation. Um, Cliff yeah. Richards yes. was wide anyway, for sound. You're well, wide for inflation. Honestly, there's there's miss, something wrong here. Never miss, never miss a moment, Shane. Never anyway, miss a moment. Yes. So yeah, the the deficit, the trajectory on debt, like because I'm also thinking the politics here, of mm. right. This is the this this is the bunch of debt and deficit disaster, who've got a debt and deficit disaster on their mm. hands. So they have to find a way to get the economy growing. So. We've had the inf- like infrastructure. Infrastructure, I IR mention. is yep. like you talk about gas led. IR is I, I am. There has been no compelling evidence mm. over the last twenty years yeah, about IR reform driving yeah. huge economic. I know it's ad- just ad- it's extraordinary. It's like it's like it's like carbon capture and storage. It's been the next big the big big next thing, big thing. At, you know for yeah. thirty years. And anyway, I've go been to on. a lot of bands who were the next big big thing, and they never <laughs> amounted to anything. Anvil, That's right. Anvil, the story of Anvil. Story of Anvil. Yeah, mm. like Ratcat. Like Rat Cat. What happened to Rat Cat? Good, but yes. So I'm the, vine, the vines. No, no, no. Come on, the come vines. back, guys. No, oh, no, no. Too far. Hey, right, sorry. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so right. So the prime minister said, right, we need the economy to grow one percentage point faster than trend. Yep. For five years to mm. get the deficit under control. Right. Mm. That hasn't happened since the '60s. Yeah. When the Beatles were all together and all alive. Mm. So you go right that doesn't happen very often. And if your plan for that is predicated on some extra infrastructure spending, some fiddling around on IR, a, a pipeline to Narrabri, you're not going to get there. No. You are nowhere near there. And you've got this headwind, which is population growth, which I bang on a lot because the Australian economy has benefited enormously from population growth yeah. for the last 30 years. It's one yeah. of the reasons we've been able to stay out of recession. Yeah. And we've just locked off. We've shut the door. And unless there's a an unforeseen baby boom, like I don't I don't know how amorous people are being locked in together. Together. Twenty four hours a day. Yeah, that's right. While you've got kids screaming already saying, What is my teacher zooming me about on trig today? I don't understand. Yeah, that if anything gets you in the mood, that's not it. It's not a more, is it? It's not a more a no. So that's what I'm looking for is the real nitty-gritty on how they should be planning to get the economy growing, not just for next year, yeah. but over the next five to ten years. And look, this has been the this may be the problem. It may be the problem in Treasury and the Treasurer's office or the PM's office that right, we've had the disaster, 
every all hands to the deck in Treasury and everywhere else through April, May. We get to June, early June. Oh, look, the virus is disappearing. Things will come back to normal. It hasn't. Mm. Things haven't come back to normal. The borders are still closed. I still can't. If I wanted to go to the US, I still can't go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And things and like that. No idea International when, when that will actually happen. Yeah. So it is the policy agenda to drive growth. That has to be central. That will be what they'll try and dress it up as. Mm. But I'm wondering whether it's more just those sad Christmas stockings and tinsel that you see in someone's house in March should have been pulled down ages ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To, to Shane's point about population growth, the, the Parliamentary Budget Office essentially has downgraded the potential size of our economy by 1.5% out to the end of the decade, purely because of pop, you know, yep. we're assuming we'll have fewer popula- or lower population growth. Mm. I mean, fewer consumers. That's, that's a lot of money, a lot of production, a lot of jobs. That's that, a lot of masseurs. Yeah. That's a lot of widget makers. You know. That's a that's a lot of farmers with uh, their niche goats. Yeah. I, like that's what it is ultimately. You know, and um, and and it's it is going to be. I mean, I don't envy the government. I'm yeah. not saying it's yeah. an easy, and I'm no. not saying it's just oh, just spend some money and she'll be right. It's you because it's always going to come down to we're we're an open small open economy. If the US and China even are not playing nice and and things aren't going well, when it's there's there's kind of a cap on, especially you know we will we can grow fast when the rest of the world's also doing well. We're not going to be able to grow one percent above trend if the rest of the world's in. The when crap. and you've touched on a really important point. We've like and uh, I wrote recently about the '91 recession. I was talking to Bob Gregory, an RBA who was on the RBA board at the time, and he said, "Yeah, we talk about the Australian recession we had to have, but everybody else had a recession. We forget that everybody else is going through the same thing." We get to October. There's a bloody important election in oh, the yeah. US. Well, the most mm. important election what, in what, the world. What happens mm. if Trump is victorious? No, no, he loses God. the pri- he, say he loses the primary vote by another by three or four million. Mm and still manages to carve out a victory. Oh, no. You can see that'll go down so well in the streets of New York and Detroit mm. and in LA. Mm. What does that mean for relationship with China? Does that ramp up? You've got mm. bumbling Boris in Britain mm. with Brexit mm. as well, which that is. Like if we, were, if we had no COVID, we'd be talking about these major geopolitical events that will have substantial economic effects. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, look, I'm really glad we opened this conversation with the Titanic because it's where (laughs) we seem to have ended it. So thank you to Shane and to Greg, as always, for our banter. I really do appreciate it. I'll get these guys back, listeners, after the budget, obviously, and we will pull apart in our inimitable fashion whether or not the growth puzzle has been answered or not. (laughs) Between now and then, obviously, take care. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you to Miles Martignoni, executive producer of the show, and to Hannah Izzard. Take care. See you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.